I'm fine with that, actually. <laughs> All right. Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. And I am chatting here with my friend and former college roommate, Ryan Stanzel. Hey, Ryan. How's it going, Jason? Oh, man. Uh, this is long overdue. I'm looking forward to learning about hockey from you. I should have actually asked you 25 years ago or however long ago it was to teach me. Uh, but yeah, man, I'd love to, for you to teach me about hockey. I don't know very much at all, but I think before we get into that, I think we should relive some of the college experiences. And I'll start by saying public, a public confession that Okay, so some context. We played NCAA football the very first, like uh, on PlayStation, the very first right, year like it was in 97 or whatever, 98. Yeah. I want to say it was 99, but uh, like the game itself, anyway, it doesn't matter. The first one, I think, on the original PlayStation. And uh, so we did the classic college guy, do the tournament stuff and win the championship stuff. And there was this epic moment that I came back, came from behind to win the championship. And in my mind, I think the final score was something absurd, like 50 to 49 or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I remember you were winning pretty decisively and most certainly had won the game and would have won the game if you didn't give me a couple of mer mercy timeouts. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like kind of made this comeback and you you did the mercy time, it's, which is just the press of one button. And it was almost like, Okay, we'll give him a chance, which of course in in a real competition, Awful no idea. one does that. No one would ever do that in a game. And I came back to win, but a pub, to publicly confess that you you actually are the champion. Was that is you fake field goal? Did you fake extra point me to win that? Was that a, that, might have been a that was right. That was yeah. right. You and that's why I say it, I think it was 50 to 49 or at least in my memory and it was like yeah. you called the timeouts and then I so, came back and it was all it was all with less than one minute to play in the yeah. game in real football you'd just need it like gone on a knee a couple times game over and uh yeah and then it was it was four, I scored extra point would have brought would have brought us to overtime and I did the fake extra point where the the placeholder because I was, I was trying to, I was trying to block it. So I was You're like, trying to block it. And then, and then, yeah. And the guy holding it got up, rolled to his left, threw it in the corner. And it was just like, and that was back before as much of the uh, celebration was embedded in the game. So the, it's just like the game ended with the guy caught the ball and just yeah. dropped it on the ground and set it there and stood there. And it was like, the game was over. You celebrated it off. You didn't need anybody. Oh the yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Anyway, there's no, there's no chance. I was basically, I only had three, three plays and, and basic, and at first when we played, I would just dominate with those three, maybe four plays and somewhere along the way you figured it out and just started shutting me down. And so there's no way I win that championship without the mercy time. Well, I, I had Michael Vick. So, you know, I was always in a game when I had Michael Vick for Virginia tech. So, Oh man, he was so fast. Oh, uh, well, I guess a great way to start off a hockey podcast conversation yep. is uh, video game football. And, you know, I didn't, I mean, I, I grew up a hockey fan, but it wasn't like I, wasn't like I knew everything about hockey back then either. You know, I kind of learned, learned as I went, I had pretty ba basic knowledge, but I kind of learned as I went too. So, well, 
tell tell everybody where you grew up. I mean, I know a little bit of the story, but uh, yeah, where'd you grow up, and how'd you how how did you get into learning about hockey? Uh, so I grew up in upstate New York. We had a couple of minor league teams. I'd go with my dad, you know, all the time growing up. Little barn with three thousand people in it in uh, in Glens Falls, watching some minor league hockey. Uh, you know, and then when I when we at Wingate, you know, I went to a few Checkers games. Even Dr. Cannon would you know bring a sports writing class there once or twice a year. And but I I had the knowledge, and I, I've ne- I never. I'm still skating for me is not, it's just not my thing. I can, mm-hmm. I can not hurt myself seriously, but I, it's usually an embarrassment when, when I'm out there, <laughs> particularly because as a guy who's worked, who worked in hockey for 15 years, it's, they just think I should be able to skate. Right. But I, of course I don't, um, even my kids skate circles around me. So I, I graduated and got to a, I was living in Louisiana, just uh, kind of randomly. Um, and I needed a job and I had no idea that Louisiana even had a hockey team. And sure enough, they did. They had the Louisiana ice skaters were an East coast hockey league team. And, um, they, for four or five years, they averaged 13,000 people a night watching hockey. Now I got there kind of, I've killed a lot of franchises in my life and I got there as it was on its downward (laughs) spiral. Um, but I have definitely had a few teams that are no longer around in my repertoire, but, um, they, they put an ad in the newspaper that they needed somebody doing PR and marketing. And I was like, well, I know hockey, I know PR, you know, and yeah, after they hired me, I made $17,500 my first year. I could bring home the pizza after the game. If I wanted to the leftover pizza from the front office. So um, 17,520 then. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and I mean that, you know, people, people don't realize, I mean, we're talking about $15 minimum wage now. Like I probably made $5 an hour that first year. Cause yeah. I was working 65, 70 hours a week, you know, for yeah, a yeah. Um, but it was a ton of fun. I've still got friends, whether it be from the team in Louisiana or, you know, I, I'm looking at my, my, my first game program I ever did now and just some players from down there that I still keep in touch with. Um, I was there for two, two and a half years. Again, the, t- it, the team got to the point where I was running to the bank to cash my check instead of depositing it. Um, and uh, can you hear me? Can you yeah, hear me I can, I can okay. hear you. Yeah. Okay. I can't, Great. I can't. Um, you were frozen um, just for a second, but you're good. So I, I moved from uh, from Louisiana to Houston, Texas, to work for a, a higher minor league team in Houston for three and a half years. Um, I loved Houston. Um, you know, again, H- hockey in H- Houston's a big enough city with a lot of Northerners that you know we were pretty successful. Um, you know, got to meet Roger Clemens one night. We had uh, what's his name? The old Texas Vince Young came one night. Like we helped get him there. We had 17,000 people oh, there. Oh, that's the guy that I, that's why I chose Texas in yeah. NCAA football yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I was lucky enough, you know, the, the arrows were the, the, uh, the Minnesota wilds AHL affiliate and they kind of you know, knew who I was. And um, I really wanted to work in the NHL one day. Um, but the thing about working in pro sports in general, but especially at the highest level, you just don't make any money. And it's fine. You know, it's, you do it for the love of the game, which is fine and great. Um, but also everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to work, you know, whatever, major league baseball, NBA. And I had my boss in Houston who I get 20 years later, I'm going to talk to you here a little bit. Um, we had a pretty good situation there and I made, I made pretty good money there. So I wasn't in a hurry. There were some other teams in the NHL that were interested in hiring me. And I, I just, 
I did my due diligence and I said, there's no way I'm going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So I waited for the wild, the wild had a job and I moved up here a week later and I, I spent about eight years, the wild never have never left Minnesota for a, a job since, but, but um, you know, we, we call this place the state of hockey and it, I mean, it is, it's a marketing slogan that we probably run a little too much with, but um, you know, it's, it's part of the culture. It's from my house in the winter, on any given night, I could probably walk to four or five different outdoor rinks that just kids are playing around on. Um, wow. You know, it's cold here, but so, it, but it doesn't matter. You're still out there, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I love it here. The, win- the, the winters are, are awful. Um, but most of the summer it's great. And again, even though I'm not in hockey anymore, um, you know, I don't, this, I haven't obviously gone to many games in the last year and a half, but um, it's, just the culture around here and everybody loves it. And it's kind of one big family. And, um, you know, the, the people who I knew 10, 12, 15 years ago are still, still in it. They're still my friends, but, you know, I've watched their kids grow up, things like that. Um, so it's been, it, I'd love to get back into it one day. Maybe we'll see, maybe at a different, do it a little bit, something different. I traveled a bunch and traveling is great, but when it gets to be our age, traveling is, is not quite as good as it once was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Man, I feel like, I mean, hockey is an example of making the best of a winter that you might not like. It's like, well, it's, we can't fix it and we're not leaving. We might as well do something. And that's, people always ask me, do you want to work in baseball or something else? And I, around here, I mean, in hockey, I'm working all winter when it's cold outside. So I get to be inside. I get to go to California a couple of times a year, Florida. Like it was to work in a sport in a climate like this, where I had to be at work all summer would be pretty difficult even if it's baseball and you're outside some it would be difficult to not have my summers to do whatever go to the lake go to the cabin run a boat for the day things like that yeah yeah so you spent 15 years in hockey eight with the minnesota wild so so i mean some of the people listening right now might not even know any of these freight minnesota wild they might be like i don't even know what that is or you wingate that's where we went to college in case someone didn't catch that checkers that would have been a hockey team in charlotte uh, not NHL. Yeah, uh, right. they were a lower level minor league team now, but they're they're AHL now. So they're like, if you're more familiar with baseball, they're like a AAA team now in Charlotte. Right. So you you've been in NHL stuff, minor league hockey stuff, but not necessarily a hockey player, but certainly able to teach me Absolutely. some stuff about hockey. I've skated a few times in my life, but very just kind of choppy. Just make sure you don't fall down. I, mean, I have gone to a couple of minor league hockey games and I know enough to say, I see the goals. The basic premise is score more goals than the other team. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know too much else, man. Like I, I don't, I just don't get it. And when I watch on, on TV, I'm like, why was that a foul? You know, I can see some obvious things I would see would be a foul or why they would blow the whistle. Then there are some other times that I'm like, how is that okay that that guy just destroyed that guy into the wall and that wasn't a foul? So, I mean, so anyone listening, even if you don't know hockey, you probably understand one team goes one way, one goes the other way, score more goals than the other team. But how do you, what are the rules of hockey? Uh, I'd say one of the, do, do you know what icing is? You want to talk about icing? I was, well, no, I was going to ask you. It seems like everything is icing because they're on the ice. So icing is basically, um, you're like, you're under siege, 
like you're under siege in front of your net. You just want to get the puck out of there. Um, so you, you shoot it down the length of the ice essentially. Um, and they call icing because they, it's a way to reward the team, the offensive team, who's kind of swarming the goal. Um, so essentially when you ice the puck like that, you, they've changed the rules. Now you can't make any substitutions. They, most times when you ice the puck, it's because you're really tired and you just want to get out. Get the so puck you're just, out of there. Cl- you're just trying to clear it out all the way right. across. Right. 180 is, feet down the ice, it gets around. And so now you don't, you used to, the, the other team used to have to like race down and touch the puck first. There were too many injuries doing that. So now essentially the minute that puck crosses the line, like pretty much it's icing. But um, there is a way to clear it out where hopefully you're clearing it out and it goes to what it bounces around to one of your right, teammates. You're going to bounce off the board, whatever. Icing. Um, icing, yeah. But they've changed the rule to make it even worse now where you can't, if you're really tired and do that, you can't leave the ice on an icing. So you'll see teams that might do it three or four times just to, just to get a break or they're, you know, they might call a timeout or something, but you see a lot of, a lot of goals happen after that situation where, you know, people don't realize the average hockey shift for, you know, defenseman's maybe 50 seconds and for a forward is 30 or 35, but you get tired in those 30, 30 to 50 seconds and uh, mental mistakes, physical mistakes happen when you, when you're tired. So icing is just a way to try to, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you're not trying to ice the puck, but you might get it out the, at the, if it's early in the period, the ice is still really fresh and the puck goes a little, a little bit faster and further than you expect. Um, so, yeah. All right. So that just brings up so many things. So I guess that's good to realize and remember that they get really tired really fast. Cause you know, I kind of equate it to something like soccer or basketball, or I'm seeing them go back and forth, but I guess the nature of skating would going like that would make you more tired faster than those I mean the, the game's 60 minutes and the, the best players in the league are going to play at least forwards are going to play 22 3 24 minutes a night um and you know it's it's easy to watch to look and marvel at what hockey players are doing at the highest level the one thing just to do it to do it while skating on you know in a blade that's less than an eighth of an inch thick is just crazy um you know you get tired in a hurry um, you know, you look at what the referees do. I mean, they're skating miles a night out there. I, you know, not always as fast as the players are, but they're still back and forth. So, right. Um, yeah, you get, you get tired pretty quickly. And I, that's, you know, mentally too. I, there was a, there was a five overtime game in, in the college game this year between a, uh, Minnesota Duluth and UND. And I mean, mo- nine times out of 10, those long games end on a mental error because you're just gassed, you know, you can't, no kidding. Can't, can't think of what to do anymore. So what, what are you allowed to do and not allowed to do regarding your hand touching the puck? Um, so a hand pass is really the two things they'd call a hand pass, which you can do in the defensive zone, like in front of your own goal, but you can't like, if you and I were in, we're trying to score over here, we couldn't like pass the puck with our hand back and forth. Um, you also can't close your hand on the puck, like in the, in the goal area that's like an automatic penalty shot. Um, but you, you know, can, gra- you can grab it for a second and drop it down though. Drop it. Yeah. Yeah. You can gra- grab it and drop it. Um, but the, the hand passes, you know, it's, you play it with your, it's a game played with sticks and stuff. So they don't want you to be able to redirect it um, with your hands. I say about the hands, you know, I think the penalties you brought up about, you know, what is okay. What is not okay. And like anything else, it's a subjective game. 
and you get some referees that call a lot of things and some that pretty much call nothing. Um, and as the, you know, the playoffs are getting ready to start, you really got to hurt somebody nowadays to, uh, to get a penalty called, but um, you know, you can hit somebody and that's part of the game, part of the men's game. You can't hit the women's game. You can't hit anybody, but essentially that person's got to have the puck or have just gotten rid of the puck. If they get rid of the puck and it's like two seconds later, you're going to get called for usually just interference unless you're, you know, hammering somebody into the boards. But uh, you know, Tom Wilson plays the Washington Capitals. He's the one, if you saw it on sports center last week, there was a huge fight. Um, Wilson, as far as I'm concerned, should probably not be playing in the league anymore. He's had so many issues with this kind of stuff. Um, he essentially just picked somebody up, kind of ragdolled him, threw him on the ice, held him down with his held him down with like his his uh, his stick on his neck. Um, you know, that's the, the league wants to get that stuff out of the game. Obviously, a lot of penalties just happen because you know somebody's faster than you are. You reach out; it's called hooking. Like you're just you try to keep them from going. So hooking would mean what your stick is in there to try to stop them with your stick. Right. Like you just reach out. Usually it's around the waist. It's around the knee. Um, You know, sometimes it becomes a tripping situation if they, if the puck gets down kind of in their skates, but I think hooking is probably the most, they've really clamped down on that. And it's coming out of the last lockout in 2011, 2012, you know, you used to be able to get away with being a pretty slow defenseman and just kind of standing there, but they've really made this game more geared towards speed now. So the slower, older players quickly get weeded out when they, you know, if you get called for interference or, or hooking mm-hmm. every time somebody tries to skate by it. All right. So you can grab it for a second and drop it. You can't close your hand. Um, can't just clear it out and go all the way across the ice. That's icing. Similar to soccer, there's offsides, so you can't do the offsides, meaning, well, actually, just can you explain what offsides is? I mean, it, it, it yeah, seems you, obvious, you, but I wouldn't know how to explain it right. There's a red line on each side, like two-thirds way down the ice on each side, and you essentially can't go past that red line towards the goal you're going to until the puck's there. It's just, you know. Is it I similar to soccer where it's like point. you can't clear it before they've begun the pass, that kind of thing? Right. You You can't you can't cross the red, the red line, the red line, or I'm sorry, the blue, you can't cross the blue line until the, until the puck is there. If, if you have the puck, you can, you can enter and kind of drag the puck with you. But if you're getting, if the, if the puck is getting passed to you, you can't enter past the blue line until, until the puck essentially crosses the line. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they've got, we've got the technology now and there's a replay in hockey and not every single play, they're not going to check that out. But if there's a goal, you know, they're going to check that. But again, we're, I equate this to football and, you know, it's 2021, it's a hundred billion dollar industry. And like, we're mostly depending on kind of overweight older guys with a chain to figure out where first down markers are Um, in hockey, you know, different buildings, the, uh, the cameras aren't always in a great place. So it's, it's as good as it can be like every other sport, probably we're depending a little too much on replay. Now. Um, mm-hmm. One of the replay things in hockey that's really under scrutiny is goaltender interference, like what you can do to a goalie and what you can't. Yeah. Um, whether, you know, if he's outside of his crease outside of that little blue painter on the goal, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Um, but, you know, if I run into the goalie, was I pushed in? Was I, you know, where, where was my skate? Um, so there's a lot of nuances. And again, I think 
like every other sport, we're kind of slowing it down. Ultimately, I think more times than not, we get the right call, but we don't always get the right call. The people mm-hmm. watching the game, um, you know, are in another state, usually or another country um, in the NHL's case. And, you know, again, we're not always, not always going to get it right, but you like to think they get it right more often than not. So I, I understand the face-off maybe at the very beginning of, is it called a game or a match? It's a game. Game. When, to drop the puck. But what, what are, what's a face-off other times? Basically, like in the corner. Anytime the whistle blows, pretty much. So anytime oh. there's a – I mean, there's a face-off. It's the way to get the puck back in play. Anytime, anytime there's a penalty, if a puck – you know, all the time, guys flip a puck up and it goes off the glass into the stands, um, there's a face-off. Now – based on where that puck goes in out of the play and stuff like that, there's different spots on the ice to do it. Really the only time you'll see the face off at center ice is after a goal for the most part. Um, you know, there are face offs in front of each goal that might happen after usually those are after icings or when a power play is called. And that's changed a little bit too. Now the, in the college game, um, basically teams can decide which side of the ice they want the face off on. So if they've got a, a right-handed guy they want to take the face off they might have it on the right hand side to get it back to the defenseman so um again all these little things that they just try to one of the things and the nhl has really done the last 20 years is to try to make scoring after they, they made some real changes and scoring really went down and i think viewership went down so they i i like i think a one nothing game can be beautiful and exciting but not a lot of people do so um you know people like to see offense and the five four games are becoming there's all there's a lot more talent in the NHL now, at least really high end talent, including here in Minnesota. So it's fun to see those guys do what they do. You know, you don't want to go and watch a guy get held all night and clutched and grabbed and stuff. So it's so curious to me why, let's say it was an icing penalty. Icing's not why? a penalty. A, oh, it's not a penalty. No, they just, you just get a face off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that, that answers the question of why there would be a face-off. But what if there is a penalty? Uh, why would there be a face-off after a penalty? Because that seems almost like it brings equality. So there's no punishment for the penalty then. Well, because you got a guy who's taken off the ice. So essentially, if there's a penalty, okay. a penalty on your team, you've only got four on the ice, I've got five. So a penalty in hockey pretty much means somebody's got to sit out and that you're one man or woman right. down for Usually a while. Usually two minutes. Some, it can be up to five. Um, so yeah, you know, a face off, but the face off is always going to go in the zone of the offending team. So they're going to have a better, you know, there's still, you like to think every face off is a 50, 50 proposition. I mean, some guys in the league are 56%, some are 44%, but at the end of the game, you know, it's pretty much 50, 50. Um, so especially on power plays, you obviously want to have your best face off guy out there. A lot of te- a lot of coaches will put two really good face off guys out there because you, if you try to cheat and if you ain't, the saying in hockey for faceoffs is if, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So um, usually one guy might eventually get thrown out of the faceoff circle. So you want to have another guy out there who can take a faceoff and not, you know, what power plays two minutes long. If you lose that, if you lose the puck, you lose the faceoff, the puck goes down to the other way. It's 30 seconds at least is just shot. So you want to, you want to make the most of your time when you've got that man advantage. And the faceoff is just, the referee drops the puck perfectly in between you and what's cheating where you're trying to do it early. Yeah. So it's, so the, the, the referee drops the first face off in the game and then the linesman. So the referees are the two guys that call penalties. The okay. linesmen are the two guys that basically stand at the blue line to, to count off sides. 
mm-hmm. um, and icing, but they also, so they drop the later faceoffs. Everybody wants to be the home sport, the home team in every sport you play, right? Like in baseball, football, you want to be the home team, your fans, whatever. In hockey, it's a little bit different because in hockey, you still, you want to, but when you're the home team, you get to put your, the, the faceoff guy gets to put his stick down second. So basically the other guy goes and then you go. So you kind of get an advantage. So the referee drops the opening face off the first face off of the night, right at the center, center ice circle there. Um, and then essentially the linesmen who are the other, the two officials that sit, kind of stand at the blue line and look at offsides and icing, things like that. They drop the rest of the face offs. One of the reasons, particularly in hockey, that home ice is important um, is it is because the, basically who gets to put their, the stick down first in the faceoffs, um, which, you know, again, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, it's just, it's a lot of strategy. It's if you're the second one down, you know, can I, I might have a better chance of pulling the, when you win a faceoff, you're basically trying to pull the puck back to a teammate. So okay. um, again, every guy has his own things. He tries out there. Some guys are known to cheat a little more than others. So they might be a little bit more under the microscope, but it's one of the reasons you want home teams generally have a better face-off percentage because of those rules. The other reason you really want a home ice advantage really matters in hockey is is because of matchups. So if you ever watch a hockey game, like there's no, we don't call timeout like soccer guys come in, guys come out and baseball, they make a chip of the mound. Like guys, it's called changing on the fly. So guys mm-hmm. hop over the bench onto the ice and somebody else goes to the bench. Um, so in hockey, the home team gets to dictate the matchup. They get to, they get to put out their players second. So, I mean, starting with the first face off of the game, if, if you and I are rival teams and you're going to start your best three players and I'm the home team in hockey, generally the best players don't play against the best players because you want to have your best defensive players playing against the other team's best players. So right. for the wild they call it the third line, although it's probably the best line. Um, they always want to play against the other team's best players. So whether it's the first face-off of the game or if it's face-offs during the game, the other team will put out their five players, and then the, the Wilds coach can say, I want these three forwards and these two defensemen out there as a better matchup. Because if if one team's best players played against the other team's worst players, it would be a bloodbath in a hurry. So it's just kind of a way to – to make matchups, to try to make, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of strategy. I think people don't realize, and that's one of the reasons right now the wilds in a dogfight for with a team that they don't match up great against. Um, and it'll go down to the wire. Who's going to get home ice because it, both teams want to have the players they want out there against the other team's best players. Wow, man, it goes deep. And that's a, we're only probably just scratching the surface, but, oh man, I, I've got some terms I want to ask you. Okay. What they mean. I guess we've sure. already gone and lit it. Hopefully, hopefully and, I know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like, part of it's like, okay, I'm, I'm looking up online um, phrases and they might not even be phrases that are actually used in common. So you're off the hook. Like right. if it, if you don't know it, but isn't the top part of the net called like the cheese or something? Top part they call the cheese. So, t- the, like the, when you score a goal, top shelf. Sometimes they call that. Yeah. Cheese. What is that? Yeah. What is that? Why? What is the deal there? <laughs> Who doesn't want cheese? Like it's it's the sexy goal, right? Okay. So All right. Where mama hides the cookies, like the top shelf. It's like 
we're the goal scorers. Like I could go out there and score a goal, you know, around his blocker glove this side. Like you go okay. top shelf there, bar down. If you're if you go bar down, you know, the bar down goes it the puck hits the, the bar and it goes straight down. Okay. It's whatever he wants to do. Okay, great. All right. So top shelf of the net is the phrase. The right, but and pe- people say cheese, like, but it's not really part of the net. Yeah, that's great. And then this one's a little bit easier. Uh, the puck sometimes is called a biscuit. That makes sense. It's the shape of a biscuit, especially the Southerners listening. Yeah, I'm not sure who actually started everywhere. that. Yeah, it's I. It's a lot more. You hear it a lot more, like ESPN, like a lot more uh, slang stuff. I not yeah. A lot of people in the game don't necessarily call it that. Um, right. It's a way I think for it to kind of be relatable a little more. Yeah, to to, to fans especially those in the South who might be a little more into the fighting than the, uh, than the hockey itself. Yeah. And we're going to get, we're going to get to the fighting in a minute, but uh, do, is there a phrase for when the, when someone scores a goal and it actually knocks off or breaks the goalie's water bottle? Um, is there a phrase for that? If that's yeah. Is that a thing? Is that like a, it, you want to do, I mean, everybody wants to score a goal that, you know, the water, it doesn't necessarily break the water bottle, but it, shoots yeah, it knocks it off. There. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what I looked online is that's called a bottle rocket. Well, hey. <laughs> I don't know if that's really the phrase, but uh, I can see that being a goal. Just it doesn't count anymore, of course, but um, it seems like it'd be fun. Uh, can, can the game end at zero zero? Okay. Games can end sort of. We'll say sort of. Um, so hockey games could end in ties for forever for a long time um after the f- the first lockout i was involved in uh back in 2004-05 um we decided that fans needed to feel better about themselves walking out of the arena nobody wants <laughs> to walk out after a 1-1 game right so we we play five minutes of overtime which is now down to it's a three on three so hockey teams have five five players in the ice plus plus a goalie Overtime is now three on three to try to get more going, more goals scored. And then if it's still tight after that, it's called a shootout where, um, you know, three, well now it's five in the NHL, but five guys um, get to go one-on-one of the goalie. It's just, it's like a penalty kick in soccer, like a penalty shot in hockey. And whoever's got the most goal after those four, after those five rounds wins. And if it's tied, it essentially goes sudden death from then on out. And then let's say the score was one to one. Does it, is the final score one to one, but then one it's, of the teams wins? It's no, it's two to one. They they do two give the one. extra. Yeah, they give the. But it's interesting because in some of the, I work a lot of college hockey games, and the Big Ten, for instance, their shootout is sudden death, and I mean, it's sudden death. Like each team picks the first guy, and if one scores and one doesn't, it's over. Which yeah, is, that's great. But that they're not they're not playing for like at the end of the at the end of the day that 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 doesn't mean much to them pretty much after overtime nothing matters so it's just kind of again it's a way to get to it make, over with right to make the fans leaving the arena say oh my team won my team didn't right. but i mean the wild has played a lot of overtime games they have a, a star now who scores a lot of goals three on three because he's so good so they haven't been to a lot of shootout games but man back in the day when i worked there we were in shootouts all the time it's just it's stressful it's you know and is it kind of indefinite like you would do five shots versus five shots and if that's tied you go five again right, they just keep going and i've been parts of games that are you know maybe eight nine ten rounds before and in the nhl you can't repeat so you know it would be the 
it'd be like the backup shortstop, no offense, um, you know, taking a home run derby swing to with a chance for the playoffs. You know, it's you get yeah. down to guys that are not necessarily goal scorers to uh, to take those take, take those shots. Right. Oh, my gosh, that seems so stressful there. But can you uh, imagine? I mean, end. like if a home run derby was deciding anything other than home ice, home field in the world, like, yeah, you know, there's one independent minor league teams actually going to like a home run derby in extra innings just to try it. And I just, it, whatever. It doesn't I mean, feel like, that doesn't feel like real baseball to me. And if I would, if I had to guess, that would not feel like real hockey to me. Right. And even this, the whole, and it's part of the reason, part of the reason, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, as you're aware, but I'm a twins fan. I live here and the twins are Owen seven in extra innings this year and Owen four in the seven inning doubleheaders. So it'd be a pretty good team without these new rules, but, I'm not a fan of the new rules, regardless of what, how the Twins are doing. But the man on second just doesn't. I watch. I watch games because I want them to go forever. Like there's nothing like that. It's midnight. Nobody else is awake. I'm watching baseball. Like I love that. Although I'm older now and I have a hard time staying up that late. Um, and you just there's a lot of strategy and you just oh, you yeah. know. But it teams are teams are not going to change the way they um, they play the game for extra inning baseball games maybe they should the, the reason the twins are 0 and 7 is because they're dependent upon the home run and they can't they have nobody on the lineup that can bunt um well that's a lost art in right uh, in baseball anyway but i i think my opinion is with stuff like that is there's a difference between children playing in a rec league and they're you're on a time schedule right. and you're paying the umpire zero to ten dollars and you have the schedule has to go and you go, okay, well then guy on second, let's get this over with yeah. flip a coin. I mean, whatever, but, but true, the true pure sport itself. I can't, I'm not down with that. I'm yeah. like, especially not the highest level where they're, you know, I would rather see back to your point about strategy. I would rather see a 20 inning game where that's truly like, well, we used the whole bullpen, but our third string, our backup backup third baseman was a pitcher in high school. So maybe we'll try him like, and that's just part of it. <laughs> well, the other thing it's doing in baseball, I think it's, it's, it's making the games longer because and the, the twins manager can out, can manage every game. Like it's the seventh game of the world series. But if you know, you're not going to go 17, 18 innings, you're making moves way earlier in the game. Yeah. And you know, even last week it was the 10th inning and he had one guy, one guy left on the bench. And it was, do I pinch run for the slowest guy in the team or do I pinch hit for the worst hitter on the team? Those yeah. were the options. Yeah. Whew. Well, let me see here. I had some other. Um, all right. This, this actually, for those that have gone skiing, I think that this, this already will make sense, but explain what a yard sale is. Uh, yard sale is if, it's what you're going at. It's kind of when yeah, all every thought at once, and there's just there's gloves, there's jerseys, there's helmets, there's sticks, there's everything kind of on the ice. You don't. We saw this last week. You don't see it nearly as much anymore. Um, but it always amazed me that you know most of the time those that all that equipment wound up back in the right spot after the game. <laughs> right, right. Guys using well, the right, the right, uh, the right gloves. You know. I, like every other sport, but hockey players are extremely particular about their equipment. I've, I we had a situation my second year of the wild, I think where our equipment truck actually blew up. Like there was a, 
um, there was a, we use a blowtorch for sticks to kind of mold them and it what it was not disengaged and our entire equipment like it blew up and we had one guy he'd use the same shoulder pads for 20 years mm. and he had to go to play it again sports to get a new pair of shoulder pads to play an NHL game for. I mean, <laughs> and he was more rattled than anybody i've ever seen because it's just they're a creature a habit so sure um, oh yeah carry those things pretty closely it, it, there's three periods right there are three 20 minute periods. And is there, are they equal break times or is there something that might be akin to half time or is it just like equal breaks in there's, between? There's 50, they've got to flood the ice and use the Zamoni. So there's usually so the NHL is 15. They might've gone back up. There's like 15 minutes between periods. Um, to what does flood the ice mean though? Well, they, is, the ice gets extremely choppy from okay. guys skating back and forth on it. So the Zamboni comes out, essentially lays down a fresh layer of water and then kind of drags over the top of it just so it's i always assumed that the zamboni just sort of like shaved off a little layer and made it smooth but it sounds like that's not what it does it it pours water yeah so it's it yeah it pours water and then it's kind of got a smooth i mean it does shave shaves like the top layer off put some more water down and you know if one of the things that the college Again, I work a lot of college games, especially this year. They they went for I think it was a twelve or thirteen minute intermission just because they wanted to get the games over with and get people out of there. There are no fans. They're like, Let's play as fast as we can. And every period started two minutes late because the ice they called the ice wasn't set yet. Like it, there were there's still puddles. You know, you don't. It's going to be dangerous. Guys are going to get hurt out there if there's still puddles. So you still have to wait long enough for that ice for the water to actually freeze. Right. So it's, it's a scientific thing about the ice more so than just like proper amount of rest for the right. players, even though obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, the players too. rest is the one thing, but they've, you've got to, guys are going to tweak ankles or tweak ankles, tweak knees, tweak groins when the ice, I mean, you know, even this will be interesting this year because, you know, we're going to be playing hockey later than most teams are because of COVID and um, you know, the ice, for instance, in Las Vegas in June is not going to be as good as the ice in Minnesota is in January. So, of course. Wow. Well, the yard sale, uh, I guess in my mind, it's like kind of connected with they, whether they throw it off on per- all their gear off on purpose or whether it's because somebody got hit so hard, it kind of flies off. But I feel like fighting is so embedded in hockey that, I mean, when I, when we were kids, the Nintendo games it was like all the other sports they didn't, right. there wasn't really an allowance. You couldn't press the button to fight, but in hockey, you could blades, blades of what was it? Not blades of steel. Blades of steel. Yeah. Right. Steel. And it was like, of course you're going to have fighting. It's hockey. What's the deal with that, man. So like, why, why is there, I mean, without just saying, well, it's a physical sport because it's like, so is, so is American football. So a lot of sports right. are physical. I mean, rugby, is one of the most physical sports in the world. And I don't see that stuff happening. So what's the deal with, with hockey and fighting? You know, it's a great question. And it's one I've struggled with myself for a long time, but I've come pretty much full circle in this. You know, I had a still have a kid, but I had a young child at one point who's like, daddy, why is my favorite player fighting? And, you know, it's <laughs> fighting was a part of the game since its inception, basically. I mean, some of the, you know, it's called a Gordie Howe hat trick, but Gordie Howe is probably the best player to ever play the game. I mean, it was called a, it was a goal assist in a fight. Um, ironically enough, it was named the Gordie Howe hat trick and he only ever had two in his life, which is 
weird. I mean, the Wild has a guy who I think's had four, you know, and it's yeah. not called the Marcus Foligno hat trick. It's called the Gordy Howe hat trick. Um, right. You know, hockey is a physical game. Guys take, um, guys can take runs at each other, you know, and it's a way kind of to that the atonement. The you hurt my best player, I'm gonna not necessarily go after yours, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make the guy who hurt my player fight to make sure he knows that we don't like it, you know. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a bench clearing brawl in baseball, but definitely happens or has happened a little bit longer, a little bit. You know, the, the NHL, maybe 10, 12 years ago, they, st- they started to try to get away from that, the so-called staged fight where it's two seconds of the game, two guys are fighting. Obviously, like, they talked before the game, like, hey, let's fight. Um, you know, I think they've been reticent to get rid of fighting because it's it's somebody's job, typically, on the game. You know, you don't want to necessarily push a guy out of the league because that's what he's done to get there. Um but at the same time, I think, you know, we're now seeing more and more about CTE and, and hockey and all, you know, football, all other sports about how dangerous stuff is. And, um, you know, one of my, one of my best friends in the game, Derek Bugard, who I, who I was with in Louisiana and then was within Texas, within Houston. I was within, um, Minnesota too. I mean, he was six foot seven, 260 pounds, the sweetest, gentlest, nicest guy you'd ever meet, but he was six, seven, 260. And for him to make the NHL, he wasn't going to score goals. He was going to be a fighter and he was going to protect his teammates. Um, and he was, and he won most of his fights, but he, you know, he died of an accidental drug overdose 10 years ago this week. And, you know, part of that is just the pain of um, fighting and the medication you have to take and, you know, partially yeah, CTE and the blows to the head. And you realize that, you know, if you might tell a 30 year old player, all right, we're, we're getting this out of the game, but you're still relatively healthy and you could still work for the team, maybe be a radio guy or a TV guy versus the, when, when Boogie died, there were three or four other, you know, so-called enforcers that died within an 18 month span, whether it be suicide or again, drug overdoses. Um, and man, like lives are important and that's hard to, it's hard to support. And again, I was pro fighting even after Boogie died, I was pro fighting for a long time. And it's just kind of the point. It's just, what's the point? Um, you know, this Tom Wilson guy from the Capitals, he, he hurts people quite a bit. And, you know, the next game, so he might make him fight. It hasn't made him stop being an idiot. Um, you know, he's still doing the same things. You know, last week, the so the league, like everybody else, the league has a collective bargaining agreement where they could only, they could fine him $5,000 for what he did. So the players took it into their own hands. There was a huge fight the next game, and it it made Sports Center, um, you know. But is that what is that what the league wants to be known for? Is that what we want to make the news for? And I don't I don't think it is. So it, you know, I think I don't know if it'll ever ever be entirely, you know, like you can't fight in the college game. College game's still good. I don't know if if it will ever be completely gone. I'm certainly happy it has less of a effect now than it ever has before. But you know people want to pay for especially now they want to pay their harder money for really good fast hockey and i just fighting doesn't you know some markets i'm sure it's more interesting again i was in louisiana where it's like having nascar mentality and i think that's why it was so successful but um the end of the day it's guys lives it's you know it's you see more and more players now that are 26 27 28 
who have had enough concussions where they're like, I'm out, going home to be a dad. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they've made good money doing it, but it's still, you still got the rest of your, even the best hockey players in the world are retired mostly by 34, 35. Like you've got the rest of your life to live. Mm-hmm. So, Do they wear, it, it seems like there's more headgear than there was when I was a kid. Is that yep. true? Yeah. I mean, helmets are mandatory. Um, you know, the one thing about fighting is you can't take your helmet off in a fight anymore, or you can't take somebody else's off, which, you know, can make it your hands. I think that's one of the reasons guys don't do it is just because it's not as fun punching a guy's plexiglass helmet or face shield as it is, it is their face. Um, you know, the, the equipment in general has changed just across the whole, you know, the whole game. And it's to make it safer. You've changed the equipment to make it safer for players, yet you're still letting players bash each other over the head for, for fun, essentially. And a lot of times, you know, players might hate each other, but most of the time, the guys that Boogie fought were like his buddies in the offseason. It was just part of their – one of the most awkward occurrences, he had broken a guy's orbital bone like in 2007 maybe. No, it was before – it was maybe 20, 2006. And in 2008, they were teammates sitting next to each other in the locker room. Like, mm-hmm. Todd Fedorik walks in, and he's like, oh, you're the guy that broke my orbital bone. You know, it's just – it's a weird – it's a weird thing. Are they losing less teeth now? Do they wear do they wear mouth guards or you said face shields? Is that yeah? I mean, I've, they've all. The, I think that's probably where the biggest technology jump has happened, and especially the mouth guards and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter. You're wearing a mouth guard and you get hit with a slap shot in the face going 98 miles an hour. You're going to lose some teeth and probably miss about two shifts and then go back in and play again after. So, good. I've I've in my former life I. I, I have sent a guy to the dentist with like his tooth in a cup, like in a mm-hmm. cab, like they're expecting you, they're going to do something with it. Like, go ahead and get there. So. Well, you said there's so many qu- more questions I have. Uh, you said slap shot. What are the different kinds of shots? Isn't there like a, a wrist one? There's a slap one. and the- Right. So the slap shot's kind of the hardest one. You know, you're winding up, you're, the, the sticks going back kind of like a golf swing, you know, mm-hmm. wrister is just, you just kind of with a wrist, with a wrist um, snapshots kind of in the middle um, backhand, you know, you can backhand it kind of mm-hmm. on your off, your offhand with your stick. But obviously this, the slap shot is, is where the most power comes from. You know, the, the fastest guys in the league can, can get it up over a hundred. Um, mostly, most of the time you see that though, from, you know, defensemen maybe, and they're not even trying to score. They're just trying to, create chaos and if maybe somebody else will deflect the puck into the net is isn't high sticking or something like that a penalty yeah you can't essentially if your stick gets up in somebody's face even if even if it's an accident the rule is you're in control of your own of your own stick so Mm -hmm. you could not mean to whack a guy in the face but if you do it's usually gonna be a two-minute penalty but if you draw blood it's gonna be four and you mentioned your friend that was an enforcer that sounds like an unofficial position <clears throat> right uh, can you yeah, explain what what that means who takes care of making sure his teammates are uh, are protected okay so he's protecting the teammates but that's an unofficial position in hockey right, right. what are the official positions uh so there's there's three forwards there's center left wing and right wing they you know kind of self-explanatory now that doesn't mean they're always going to be on that part of the ice um, the center is usually a little more defensively responsible. 
so they kind of linger back a little more because they're they're kind of mm-hmm. almost like a third defenseman. Then there's two defensemen that pretty much never go further than the than the the blue line. They might pinch in a little bit. Um, and again, there's usually there's there's four lines and then three sets of defensemen. So there's twelve forwards on a team, and they more like more often than not they play. You know, the three of them play together at all times, and then they come off off and on as a as a unit. Mm-hmm. Explain how what a power play is. So a power play happens when there's a penalty. Um, you know, if your team's in the box for two minutes, I've got a power play for two minutes. Oh, um, right, because I've got more on, people on the ice, right? Right, and you're on the penalty. They call it a penalty kill. So you're in the box with a penalty. You're, and you know, they, if there's if there's two penalties, you can be out there five on three. You can never have less than three people on, on the ice. But um, you know, if, there, if your team does two things wrong, then you're gonna have a five on three penalty kill, which is, I mean, just by the math, it's pretty hard to keep the puck out of your own net. So if it's if it's a power play, you I mean obviously you're like okay we we should be we should score here but statistically would you say a majority of the goals are during a power play or not necessarily um no I the good power play units are you know eighteen to twenty two percent okay um the wild this year through thirty games was I kid you not like six percent like you couldn't be that bad and as often happens in sports. Once the power play got good, like parts of the other game went to hell. So oh, interesting. it's very hard in sports, you know, in, in football, your offense might be good. Your defense might be good. And your special teams is going to be tough. Like it's very hard to get all, especially in hockey yeah. where it's the same players playing the whole game. You know, yeah. there are some guys who are only going to play penalty kill and not the power play, but um, you know, most guys are playing a little bit of everything. So, Yeah. So it's like not guaranteed, but it might be in football. It's like uh, scoring percentage in the red zone, or right. some, or like uh, in baseball. It's like men in scoring position means your stats are going to go up. You're going to score, but it doesn't necessarily mean you will. Uh, but you said you can't have any less than three. So what happens if it's five on three and the team with three does a yet another penalty? They just like tack it on to the end. So you go, say it's Longer. a two minute five on three and a minute through so after a minute it essentially starts again okay so it doesn't drop any more people it makes the power play longer right that makes sense actually because five on two is no longer even a sport if it's a if it's like a really bad like a boarding penalty or like if you cross check a guy in the face yeah um it's actually they can call a five minute it's called a major but it's a five minute penalty what happens is normally in a power play if you score the other team's player comes back out on a major, you can score as many goals as you want. Yeah. Like, that guy's in the box for five minutes. It's a no shooting what. gallery. Just score until you can't score anymore. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, it seems like if college hockey thrives without fighting, NHL, NHL should be able to keep this in check and have the have – the, um, maybe the penalties be more severe – maybe the penalties not be only about the implications of the game that you're in, but, but the season and maybe hit your wallet harder. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's the, like, maybe know, some of these guys are like, I don't care if I get in fights. I don't care if other people blindside me, I'll fight them too. I don't care. You know, well, you know, it's interesting. I had this conversation with somebody the other day and we were talking about, you know, again, there's a collective bargaining, bargaining agreement where all these, the NHL 
allegedly find that guy as much as they could find him based on the terms of the CBA. And the mm-hmm. CBA is agreed upon by the league and the players association, but the players association is in a weird spot because they're trying to protect their own players. Yeah. But the, at the same time, it's one of they're, their players who's doing, doing it yeah. to the other player. So they almost have a double interest in, we want the penalties to be severe, but not too severe where our own guy gets dinged, you know? So where, yeah. where does player safety come into that situation? The other, the yeah. guy who's in charge of suspensions at the NHL and in charge of player safety is a former enforcer, which is the most ironic thing. Like he was a fighter yeah, and now he's in charge of adjudicating things like this. Yeah. And I could see before video camera and especially replay right in that moment, just kind of old school. You couldn't always tell, like the refs might not have been able to see everything right. and some guy hits somebody, nails him. You don't know if it was legit because with hockey with on skates, you can't just, you can't stop your momentum that fast. And if you're already there, you might hit them. But that's not, that's not how it works anymore. You can see when things I, when better. I, when I started in hockey in 20, 2001, like we'd have it, it was, you know, we'd call it an objectionable hit and we'd have to like clip the VHS tape and then send a VHS tape from Lafayette, Louisiana to Princeton, New Jersey. And in like two days, they'd get around to looking at it and figure out if they were going to suspend a guy. Yeah. Which is insane thinking about the way the technology is now. And there's, you know, three or four guys in Toronto watching every single game. And if one guy takes a hit in the head and gets up woozy, they have somebody that can just like they radio down and say, that guy's got to come out of the game. He's got to go to the quiet room. Like, yeah, I wonder if they started. Yeah. Yeah. Like what if it wasn't even, you didn't get in trouble if it was even close, if it's kind of objection, you know, objectionable or, you know, if there's any chance that it was just your momentum, then fine. You're off the hook. But yeah, I watched that on sports center the other day and it was just like, as the game started, half the people on the ice just took all their stuff off and started fighting. It seems like if they were penal, if they were uh, suspended, because like in baseball, sometimes that happens where they have a vendetta from three games ago or a series right. ago, or or sometimes even like the piss bad blood in general from years ago, you know, hashtag Yankees, Red Sox kind of, or whatever. But like, yeah. but, but if they know, if the umpire knows there's tension, they'll preempt it with a warning to both teams. And if that first pitch of the game hits the guy, the pitcher's ejected. Right. And then if the guys run off the bench and start throwing, they're all ejected. And that may mean their team has less of a chance to win. I would say way more of a penalty than just going and sitting down for two minutes and coming back in. Right. And I mean, that so the NHL in that game aired by, if they had just suspended the guy for a, a game, it probably would have been a little bit easier. The other thing, um, when that, when that happened, we all knew something, we all knew that night was going to be a little bit rough. The Washington Capitals coach should have started that guy, Tom Wilson, who started it all and just let him get in a fight and it would have been done with. I think by not starting him, the Rangers got really pissed off because it's kind of one of those, all right, you heard our guy like come out and atone for it. And most guys will, but they didn't start him. So there was, there was the line brawl right off the bat. And the first time Wilson came on the ice, somebody jumped him then. And then it happened. Mm -hmm. So if a lot of times when it'll happen, you know, it'll happen right away. And then 99% of the time when we think something's going to happen in hockey like that, it never materializes. But that night it did. And part of the reason was I just think that 
the fact they didn't start the guy was kind of like, you know, he was turtling a little bit. Um, whereas if he just started, he could have fought somebody and they, they actually took him out of the game. I think they said he, they said he was injured, but I think they just, they were trying to keep him from either getting injured or somebody else from getting injured and just try to calm it down a little bit. All right. I'm starting to get a little bit more of an understanding. Although if I were to watch it, it'd be going so fast. I'd be like, why did they blow the whistle there? So, <laughs> so the, the penalties though would be what holding the puck too long offsides Icing is well, not a penalty, sides, but they would the penalty, call it. You know, it's hooking, tripping, elbowing, boarding, cross-checking. Um, you can't hold somebody's stick. There's a holding the stick penalty. Again, there's goaltender interference. Interference is one that's called a lot more now, and it might not – if a big hit that you might say, oh, that looks like a penalty, a lot of times it's just interference because, again, I've got the puck, I pass the puck, you hit me three seconds later. You can't hit somebody if they don't have the puck, essentially. So right. they call it interference when you're just getting in somebody's way who doesn't have the puck. Can you hit their stick with your stick when they have the puck? That's usually a slashing call. Ah, uh, slashing. Okay. But if you're going I, for the puck and it kind of is incidental and doesn't seem to be obvious, they might just keep letting it play. The Wild had home ice basically taken away from them by a referee last week who called maybe the worst slashing call I've ever seen. Again, it was accidental, but um, again, the, it all depends. All the referees have their own, t- just like baseball. You, it's, there's a Twitter account out there with like the, the umpire scorecard on percentage of strikes they've gotten right and wrong. It's, it's used to just, you knew one guy was out to get you. And now like there's stats that some guy's out to get you or some guy doesn't call stuff or, you know, one guy's more likely to call this than that. So. Well, yeah, I mean, they have their understanding of the game that they grew up with. And I mean, I know with baseball, it'd be like with an umpire behind the plate, if some of them prefer to stand a little bit to the left of the catcher or to the right of the catcher or above the catcher. And that means that they're going to tend to call. It's just outside a little bit. They're going to give yeah. that call. Not, not the case with inside. And I always really enjoyed that and learning that about an umpire that what I, what's not okay with me in that is if they do it only for a certain player that, that I don't appreciate, but if it's just their tendency, they're like, I'm a, I'm a, at the knees and I'll give you a whole nother baseball length, you know, height under the knees. That's still the knees to me. It's like, that's just their way. But if it's just like, I don't like this player, I'm striking him out. I don't like that stuff. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem natural. It seems unnatural. You know? As long as it's consistent. I, you know, this year, I think because of COVID in the NHL, most times basically a team's going to play another team twice. Mm-hmm. They've almost made it like, like baseball or, where there's been a three game series, it's like two, sometimes it might be two games at your place and two, two games of the other. So I think there's been a lot more times yeah. when you've had the same officiating crew that this uh, two nights in a row, which right. can help everybody adjust a little bit. And yeah, I think I don't love that necessarily. Um, the two games in a row, but I think that there's a lot of things coming out of COVID that I wonder, will they continue? And that's one, you know, in hockey, hockey again is a very physical game. There's 82 games in 165 days. You know, there were days when we'd get into a city at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and we'd play a game 14 hours later. Um, And we talk about, you know, the PA and the Players Association and injuries. And, man, you get a lot of injuries when guys are getting to bed at 5 a.m. and getting up at 9 to go have a meeting. And um, so I do wonder if we'll see a little more. It's not great for ticket sales. Nobody wants to see the same team two nights in a row most times. But, um, again, if the players get hurt, they're also, that's not good for ticket sales either. So 
Um, you know, there are some things right. that are coming across all sports. I hope, I really hope after next year, this, the runaround second's gone in baseball, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm sure the end, I'm sure major league baseball has some kind of analytics they've seen this. So the old fans love this. Yeah. Money casual. Yeah. Casual fans love it. Right, and right. Once, once the seventh inning stretch hits in baseball, they can't sell beer anymore. So they're not, they might lose some popcorn sales or something on a 20 inning game, but you're not losing beer sales. You're not losing your big, you know, your big ticket items. So. Mm-hmm. Well, for those that, when you hear Ryan talking and you're like, I love nerding out on sports things and just analyzing all these angles. I want to let you know about Ryan's weekly newsletter called Stanzel's daily. It's daily. I only read it weekly. (laughs) My bad. I read it weekly. Um, It's daily. Wow. That's intense, man. Yeah. So it is for now. Let's put it that way. We'll, we'll see uh, daily for now. Yeah. Stanzel's sports takeout. And uh, t- tell us what this is. Uh, so starting in January, honestly, more than anything else, just almost as something to do. And as a, I feel like I used to be a really good writer and then Twitter came around and now I write in 240 characters. Um, I just wanted to start writing again. I wanted to remind people that I existed. I've had a kind of a low profile, um, at least in the sports world for a few years. So it's a, it's a lot of Twin City stuff, but I certainly... I tackle everything, you know, if there's a national story of note or whatever, um, kind of a quick hits format, you know, it's like 700 words to a thousand words. It usually takes six to seven minutes to read. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's basically meant kind of to cultivate through all the tweets of the day to figure out what are the five stories you need to know today. If your friend, if your friends start talking sports at work and you're like, Oh, I don't know what happened to the Lakers last night. Like there's a good chance if it's a big story of the day, it's been in the takeout. And I, some of the people that really enjoy reading this are like sports people who work in sports or in media who might have a day off and they just want to catch up before they get back to work. That's so good. I love that. Six, six or seven minutes, catch up on things, be able to chat about something, be a little bit informed, informed without having to do the deep dive. Like I'm sure you have to do in order to write it. Right. I mean, you know, Twitter's great because I, throughout the day, I just hit like on stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, you know, I just kind of cultivate, go through and um, I've, I've streamlined it a little bit now. And, you know, I'm usually up pretty early in the morning. So if for the playoffs, I'll stay up for late games. But, you know, if the Twins have a 930 start in L.A., I'm just going to catch up in the morning and send it out before or, you know, update it before it goes out in the morning. Yeah. So if you're into that, you can go to ryanstanzel.wordpress.com and that's Ryan is R-Y-A-N and then Stanzel is S-T-A-N-Z-E-L, ryanstanzel.wordpress.com to read Stanzel Sports Takeout, but you can also subscribe so that you don't always have to remember to go to the website. You can yep. subscribe. Yeah, there's a link on there and you'll get an email every day by, uh, by 7.15 Central Time usually. So the premise of this podcast thinks about things simplifying a concept without sacrificing depth. It sounds like that's what your daily takeout does, but can we try to do that? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I've, I've thought about turning it into a more of a podcast thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Like, you know, a six minute morning. Oh yeah. You know, like the, I love our sports radio station here, but their morning show doesn't talk sports at all. 
people. It's, mm. it's more entertainment, things like that. And I'm like, what if I just, somebody's on the treadmill in the morning and they want six minutes of what happened the night before and they don't want the flash of sports center. So that's, that's still an option. I think down the line, it might become a little more of that as I, you know, if I could upgrade some, upgrade some technology, include some highlights, things like that, just to give somebody, even once, you know, people are going to work again, throw in a 10 minute podcast on your way to work, whatever. But I think that podcasts are great for that kind of thing. But yeah, I, simplifying it is we all need to simplify things in our life. We don't have time to get drug up with the details anymore. So. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you could probably at the very least read your, yeah. your daily takeout. And that could be your podcast, I suppose. But yeah, I guess it might be more interesting if you throw in a couple other sound bites and things right. like that. But try to sum up, how, how would you simplify, like what should somebody do if they're listening to this conversation about hockey and they're like, you know, I, I, I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to give it a chance. I've never understood it. These guys are just fighting and then the, there's penalties I don't understand. I think I sort of get it. What's a good way for them to follow up with this? Like, uh, a, a simple follow-up for somebody who wants to maybe start following hockey. What should they do? I, you know, the playoffs start Saturday. I just watch a playoff game and just try to, you know, don't get caught up into what you do understand, what you don't understand. Thing is there's no, there's very rarely if ever fighting in, in the playoffs, they don't call as many penalties, just get caught up with the beauty of the game. And I mean, there's, there are guys in this league, Connor McDavid and Edmonton. So the, a goal is a point, an assist is a point in stats. He had 100 points in his 53rd or 54th game. That's averaging two, like a goal and an assist a game, basically. Wow. Um, and he's, he's just, he's the most incredible player ever. Not, I mean, not really, but in this day and age, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's too, the Wild has a guy who's going to be an MVP candidate for the next 10 years, and he'll never win one because Connor McDavid. <laughs> MVP I mean the problem is his team his team's better this year but it's, it has not been very good um but just watch the game again realize that this is this would be hard stuff to do if we were doing it on on our feet they're doing yeah. it on the um you know I think the NHL does, the NHL broadcast partners does a good job in the playoffs because they know there might be some fans that don't necessarily listen all the time or watch all the time so they're going to explain a little more the NHL is back They've been on NBC pretty much exclusively for about a decade, and they're back on ESPN next year. They'll also be on TNT. Um, so I'm interested just for, a, you know, people like to say the NHL, ESPN didn't care about hockey. Well, they just, it wasn't on their network, so why should they care? You know, they're going to mm-hmm. pub whatever. Um, and now being back on, e, on ESPN, I mean, even when the games aren't on, they're going to have more of a vested interest in paying attention and showing highlights because it's going to be better for their for their bottom line. So. Just try some games, you know, and uh, again, I think they explained it pretty well in the playoffs and just the intensity of playoff hockey is, you know, I, I somehow, I only think I won two playoff series in my 15 years in hockey, which is hard to believe. Um, so I didn't have a lot of a long playoff runs, but there's just a, even with, I think the wild's going to have 4,000 fans, even with less fans in the building. I mean, I think Florida will have a full, full attendance probably um, just hearing the, hearing everything in the arena is so much different once the spring and summer rolls around. And before, I think it was before I pressed record, you said how much you enjoy actually being there and how. Yeah. It's, it's such a different game in person versus on TV. I mean, I I like watching it on TV. I watch the playoffs. I watch the wild games on TV, but the, 
somebody I once, one of our foreign players used to say the smell of the ice and I never quite understood it until like I left hockey and then came back one time. And I was like, I smell the ice. You just, mm. it's not quite as, as pungent and measurable as like maybe the fresh cut grass in baseball, but there's a smell when you walk in the arena of the ice that you just, it's hard to explain. So, mm. um, you know, the speed, the, uh, just how good these guys are is, is crazy to think that, I mean, all these guys are, you know, you've got from the wild's best players from Russia, you've got Russia, you've got, you know, Czech Republic, Slovakia, you've got obviously Canada, the U S um, there's, you know, diversity has become much more important and, and much better in hockey. And I'm, I'm glad the, the second best rookie in the league is from Southern California. And he's, I, um, he's of Asian descent as well. The wilds, um, one of the wilds best defensemen is part Filipino. Um, so it's great seeing, you know, it truly is a global game now versus one of my favorite things to do is open up old, whatever cards, or whatever sort. And I, I bought myself a 1990 hockey card full set this week. And <laughs> my daughter nice. and I will open up usually like a pack a week or whatever. And first of all, the, the smell of those cards smelled like 1990, like yeah. they hadn't been opened yet, you know? Wow. Um, but you look through those players from back then and man, it wasn't very diverse at all. Sure. I mean, at all. So it's really exciting to see, you know, there's, there's a player for everybody, you know, there's yeah. every, you know, everybody's got, you don't always have to like the best player on the team. You can like the player in the team, you know, Matt Dumba, the guy we talked about, he's, he's huge into civil rights around here with what's happened in Minneapolis in the last year. And, um, you know, he's donated a bunch of money and helped kind of rebuild the Lake street corridor around here. And those are the stories we want to hear as much as we want to hear who wins and loses. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks so much, man. I, I just learned a lot and I'm going to give it a try. It's playoff time. So a uh, simple follow-up, right? Watch a game or if as COVID, um, depending on where people live, as COVID allows, go to a game, smell yep. that, smell that arena, <laughs> smell the ice. And, uh, and then also go to ryanstanzel.wordpress.com, of course, and read that daily takeout. But thanks so much for your time and for teaching me something that I should have asked you about 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs>